Let's get into uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. We're closing up here. Uh, I believe we're going to be looking at 21 and 22, really, and 23 is our focus. Uh, we're on page 50 of our workbook, yes, and we're on number 4. Is that correct? Yeah. So I want to make sure we're all on the same page on that. Yeah, okay. All right, and we're talking uh, about inheritances. That's the... Uh, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the point or the crux of what's going on here. Uh, you look at uh, verse 21, it says, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over the, uh, all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And, and I want to remind you, uh, a couple things, because I think it's important uh, in case you w missed last week's message or, or whatnot, uh, but just to kind of get us all uh, moving on the same uh, uh, bus here going forward, what we, what we uh, have come to the place of in chapter 1 is Paul's now praying for the church at Ephesus, and he's giving them uh, some, some direction if you will, on after, you know, he, he's talked about your nine blessings that we get if we are, thank you, somebody knew that, in Christ, okay? You don't get these blessings unless you're in Christ. These, these just aren't blessings that have been handed out to anybody and anybody, no. You have to be in Christ to have access to these blessings. Paul uh, spends the first 12 chapters, uh, not 12 chapters, there's not even 12 chapters in the book, the 12, first 12 verses talking about these uh, nine blessings that we get. Then he starts talking about how, in verse 12 and 13 and 14, how somebody gets into Christ to get these blessings that are given to the church. Y'all got that? Okay, th that's why I say this is the foundational book to understand what the church is really all about. You don't go back to Acts 2. That's not where you go. You go to the book where Paul reveals, and he does. It's what he's doing. That's why he's calling. When you get, to, when, Lord willing, we get to chapter 3. Uh, you're going to see in chapter 3, he's laying it out here. He's, he's talking about the dispensation of grace that was given to him. That's why he calls it, in many places, my gospel. It's a different gospel. It's a different uh, uh, preaching, it's a different, and I'm just going to use Paul's language, dispensation that is being revealed, and it isn't revealed until Paul reveals it in Ephesians. Which means that obviously something here is different than Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 8 because Paul wasn't even saved yet. So something's, something's up there. That is very, very, very important to understand. Because if you don't understand it, and you go back to Acts chapter 2 and make the assumption that that is where the church began, uh, I'm going to say, well, it depends on how... I could say, yeah, but no. Yeah, that's where the church in Jerusalem began. That's where it began for the Jews. I would agree with that. But it didn't begin for the Gentiles yet. The Gentiles didn't get in on the scene until Acts chapter 10. And the message and the, 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 uh, what was being presented was different. Okay? That's why Paul calls it my gospel. And so with all that being said, 
Here we are now in Ephesians. Paul's like laying this thing out for us so that we can start to understand what this body of Christ really is, how someone gets into this body, and then, okay, and please hear my heart on this, man. Please understand that I'm not trying to diss anybody, right? But what the responsibility is that comes after getting into Christ. It's not just get your ticket punched and we're good. Let me just live my life now any way I want. I have liberty in Christ. I'm good. No. No. What was given, those nine things that were given to you were for a purpose, was for a point, all right? And we could go to all kinds of verses to start to really grab onto what that purpose and point was, but I'll just give you a couple just to kind of get us rolling here. Romans 12, what does Paul say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and accepted by him, which is your reasonable service. Paul's saying, hey, you didn't get this. You didn't get these blessings just so you could have as we hear often in the church today, liberty in Christ. Liberty in Christ is not you're saved, you're free to do whatever you want now. That's not what liberty in Christ is. Paul would be rolling in his grave for you if he thought that's what you, we all thought. Okay, no. Liberty in Christ is you're saved, you got all these blessings by his grace, what are you doing with it? Okay, what... Because he says right there in, in Galatians 5, when he's talking about liberty, he goes, what? What now? Should we continue in sin? What's he say? God forbid. What, why would you do that? Look at what, by grace, God has given you. You have a responsibility. And, and if you don't really buy or, or really is that it doesn't grab you look at when we get into chapter two you're going to see how he responds to that with the famous verses we all probably know if we've been in church the ephesians 2 8 and 9 for by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves it is a gift of god not of works lest any man should boast amen <laughs> praise the lord you were right that is true however look at the next verse because 8 and 9 is pointing to 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We have a responsibility. Grace isn't just God loves you. That's not what it is. It's being taught in many a church wrong today. I'm not saying that God doesn't love you. He does. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I didn't say that. Don't hear me wrong. What I am saying is, is God's love for you was not just to save you out of hell. Because that's the message that's being preached today. That's the gospel that's being propagated today. And I'm just telling you that's not Paul's gospel. And so you do whatever you want with that. I'm just telling you I read Paul's gospel. That was in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Okay, that's Paul's gospel. And, and, and I read Romans 1.16 that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So I'm going to go with Paul's gospel. 
Okay? And Paul warns in Galatians 1, hey, if anybody comes preaching another gospel, let them be accursed. I mean, Paul realizes the result of following an incorrect gospel. Okay? With all that being said, we've been saved for a purpose. We've been saved for a point. And you go, what's the purpose? What's the point? Well, if you've been around this church at all, you know what the purpose and the point is. You know where I'm going to go with this. It's going to end uh, in, in, in Paul's dissertation about this, chapter 1, 2, and 3. In chapter 3, the last verse, 21, where it says, And unto Christ be glory in the church throughout all ages. Amen. The purpose, the reason why we got those blessings, the reason why we get to the privilege of being in Christ, the reason why all of these things have been given to us is because it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him and his glory. And let me just be clear, he will not share his glory with another. It's either his glory or it's no, it's no. And we need to be careful on the aspect of who is sitting on the throne. Because there is a throne and someone sitting on it. Either you're letting God, Christ, sit on the throne of your life. You're letting Satan through his... Uh, Propaganda and the stuff that he likes to do to confuse and, and, and deter us, sit on the throne of your life, or you're sitting on the throne of your life. Those are the only answers. Okay? And, and let me just say, however you want to swing that Satan sitting on the throne or, or you sitting on the throne, it's one in the same. Yeah. It's one in the same. So really what it comes down to is, as Paul would say, either... You're for him or you're against him. Either he is sitting on the throne of your life or you are sitting on the throne of your life. Which one is it? This is the point of Ephesians. This is what is being propagated by Paul. This is the points that Paul is trying to make. And when he gets to verse number, uh, you know, somewhere around 16, 17, when he starts talking about making mention of you in my prayers, he talks about, uh, you know, that, 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 that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and that the eyes of your understandings be enlightened. Why? Why does, why does Paul want you to understand those three things? And I spent almost a half a message talking about this. So that you would know the hope of your calling. You've been called to something, right? And if you don't believe that that is true, well, after the first three chapters, in chapter four, when he starts to turn it to the practical teachings of it all, what does he say? I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. You were called. It's the hope of your calling. You need, we need, the church needs to understand what is the hope of our calling? What is it that we've been called to do? We have a, isn't it interesting the words that, be, that are being used? We have a vocation. We have a job. Paul says we're ambassadors to Christ. There, there is something, there is work that needs to be done. And I would unfortunately argue 
that most in the church don't know what the work of the Lord really is. And I would argue, if I could, if you don't know what the work of the Lord is, how can you do it? And if you're not doing it, my better question is, is are you earning crowns? And if you're not earning crowns, how do you think the judgment seat of Christ is going to go for you? My better question might be, and I'm just going down the line here, is I guarantee you that most Christians don't even know they're going to a judgment. And they don't know which one they're going to. They don't even know. They, this is all oblivious to them. Because why? Because most churches don't preach this stuff. Is that, is, that, is that me saying that one Baptist church is the best church on planet Earth? You read that the way you want to read that. What I am saying is they don't preach this stuff. What do you want me to tell you? They don't. Most people don't know what I'm talking about right now. They have no real understanding of it. However, I read in my Bible, 1 Corinthians 3. I read verses 10 through 16. I read in my Bible, it's appointed unto man once to die and after this. The, I read that in my Bible. Uh, this is what the Bible says. Paul is lining us up to understand that judgment is coming. I read in my Bible, Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2. Judgment is coming. God is a righteous God, and he is going to judge righteously. We are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I read that in my Bible. Did you read that, one? Did you read that in yours? It's in the Bible, man. We're going to stand there. It's going to happen. It's coming. We're all, we're all going there. And the result of it is going to be dependent on what you did now. Hello? Anybody with me here on this? That, listen, that is just reality if you believe your book. I'm just dumb enough to believe it. I believe what it says. I believe we're all going to a judgment. And which one we go to matters. And what we're judged for matters. And let me promise you, with, uh, with all that I have in me, you're not going to be judged based on your deeds that you did in sin. And you go, well, praise the Lord for that. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. You want to know why you're not? It's not because of anything you did. It's because he cast your sins as far as he says from the West. <laughs> it ain't nothing you did. He did it for you. You understand that? What are you going to be judged on? Your vocation. Wherewith you were called. The high calling. Your works are going to get thrown into a fire. And either your works are going to come out precious stones and, and, and such that are going to turn into your crowns that you can cast before his throne, or they're going to get burned up as wood, hay, and stubble. I'm, I'm hammering this all home because I want you to understand what Paul's point is here in Ephesians. In chapter 1, he, he, when he starts talking about uh, this power, this, this, this uh, 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 great power to us word who believe, that this, grace, this great power that was given to us is the same power, as Paul says here, which wrought Christ 
from the dead, raising him up. It's the same power that set Christ at his own right hand in heavenly places. It's the same power that put him far above all principality and power, might, dominion in this world. Uh, Not just this one, but in the one to come. It's the same power that put all things under his feet. It's the same power that gave him to be head over all things to the church. It's the same power which is in you. That is the point of what Paul's saying. Don't make it a I know that what I'm about to say is almost going to seem opposite of what I've been telling you. But, get what Paul's saying here. Don't make it about the power that was wrought in Christ. That's not the main point. The main point is is that power is in you. You have the ability to do your vocation. And I only say that to say, do you not think, do we really not think that God isn't going to have an accounting for that? I mean, if you really just stop and consider, and again, I read 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Yeah? I read it, man. I, I saw what it said. It says what? It is required of a servant to be found faithful. Not, hey man, if you get around to it, cool. No, it's required. God is going to hold us accountable for this stuff. By the way, 1 Corinthians 4 is coming off the heels of 1 Corinthians 3. Hello, right? So just in case you, 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 you didn't, Cross those lines and and get that. So when we're talking about these things that were given to Christ, uh, understand, and this is the wonder of it all. This is the mind-blowing craziness of it all. This is where you just got to step back and go, oh my, all the things that were given to Christ, Christ gave to you. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Everything that was given to Christ, Christ gave to us. I don't know where you guys are with that, man, but that blows my mind. I don't even know what to do with that. I don't even know how to respond to that outside of just wanting to fall on my knees in thanksgiving to our Lord because I did not deserve any of that. Not not one ounce of it that I deserve. And what that does for me is makes me want to serve him. Not out of necessity, but out of admiration and love for my king. Because I didn't deserve that. So it says uh, they're far above, I'm I'm in the workbook now. It says they're far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named, uh, not only in this world, but also in which is to come. And it's put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So A, A uh, heavenly places. Listen, uh, heavenly places are real places that a Christian will be in. H- here's the crazy part. 
We're already there. I don't even know how to comprehend that. We're already there. Listen, Brother Gary, we're there with him right now. That sends chills down my spine. I can't even comprehend how much love and admiration the Lord has for us that we're already seated there with him. Man, that should, that should motivate you. That should give you confidence in the fact that you can't lose your salvation. Are you kidding me? You're already there. What, is he going to kick you out? No. How cool is that? How great is that? Is that as we are seated here right now, we're already there with him. And yet we'll forsake this? I don't understand that. I don't get that. You know, Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created by him. What does that say? And for him. Now, if you cross-reference that verse right there with Romans chapter, um, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, you're going to have some real good understanding of what's going on right there. You were not created for you. That's not the way this thing went down. Okay? Now, I know. I know, and you all know, if you've been around this church at all, any amounts of time, you... you we are very Laodicean in our thinking. We have turned everything to be about us. This has nothing to do with you. It never did and it never will. And if you think that it does, you missed the point. It's gone over your head. You don't understand what's really going on and what's really going to happen. No, this is all about him. Because all things were created by him and for him. The very cross he hung on, he created the wood that made it. The very nails that were nailed into his hands, he created the steel. The very hands that swung the hammer, he created those hands. Do you get that? He could have came down out of that cross at any moment. Because he made the thing. Every time he breathed, up and down that cross while he was there with his back completely shredded and the pain that he was going through every time he took a breath he could have stopped it at any moment but he hung there for six hours you want to know why for you don't worry about the person sitting next to you right now get it if you were the only sinner in the world he still would have done it it was for you. And by the glory of God, for me too. And for every single person in this room. And for every single person in the world, whether they call on his name or not, he hung on the cross for them. Do you want to understand? And understand, you know, you know Paul really grabs our attention about the, the, the uh, importance of that. 
When he says there, right, we were just talking about this yesterday. When he says over there in Philippians 3 that we would understand the sufferings. The suffering that he went through. That we would get it. Why? Because coming to Christ costs something. It always does. It costs something. To follow him is not the easy life that we've made it. To follow him for real is going to cost you something. And let me just tell you, most likely some things. Do, do, do you understand? Paul is hammering these points home. I'm not sure we're listening. And when I say that, I just say that as a whole. Listen, we all have struggles. We all have things we have to deal with. We all have our things. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I'm not minimizing those things. But what I am saying, though, is, is but yet, but yet, the word still stands firm. It's still true every word. We got to make a choice. We've got to come to the place in all of our lives where we draw the line in the sand and we say either I am going to follow him or I am not. Listen, Ephesians 2, 6, we've talked about this and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're already there. That Philippians 3 passage that I was talking about, that we would know uh, the sufferings of, his, uh, of what took place on that cross, that we would be, that we would be listen, he, Paul wanted to understand and know it. He wanted... That's what Galatians 2.20 is all about, by the way. He, it was so important to him. And he comes out, and, and after he talks about all that, he says there in Philippians 3.20, for our conversation, and do know, he's not talking about me and Ray just having a conversation. It's the conversation of our lives. It's how we live. That, that's what he's talking about. He says, for our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior. And the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, we're all seated there. Our conversation should be there. Think about it. And I'm just, I'm just throwing stuff out there, okay? Let whatever wants to stick on the wall here stick, whatever you want. Hear me out. Some of the things that we do, some of the things that we are willing to watch, some of the things that we're willing to get ourselves involved in, some of the things that, you know, on a daily basis that we all have struggles with, I'm just asking you, okay, be real, would you do that when you were there? Would you watch that while you were up there? Huh? Would you do that? Would you do what you just did if the Lord was, if you were right with him right now? I, I think there is some soul searching that we got to do sometimes and go, man, that really probably is not something I should be doing right now. And don't do it. Like, sin is so powerful. It really is. Sin is so powerful. And the devil knows just how powerful sin is, and he will use it against you at every turn. 
and where it becomes very, 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 very difficult for us is to be able to think we have power over it. Because we don't. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. I don't care how much Christian you think you are. I don't care what you think you know in your life, how much you've grown, how much. I don't care where you're, you are. I don't care any of that. And you say, oh, well, how come? Well, I mean, yeah, we probably can get to the plate. Paul didn't. Paul wrote about it in Romans chapter 7 and 8. Paul had struggled with it. I mean, Paul was with the Lord Jesus Christ for three years up in Arabia. I mean, if anybody should have been able to have power over that thing, it was Paul. But he didn't. He struggled with it. He struggled with Christians who cause trouble, with, with fake Christians, with, with unchristian people. who He struggled with it all. His flesh still welt up in him. And it will you too. And don't think it won't. Don't think you're smart enough to beat him. And when I say him, I'm talking about Satan. Don't think you're smart enough. You're not. You'll lose that game every single time. Whether you think you will or you think you won't, you will. The flesh is a powerful thing. It really is. So, with that being said... Paul is reminding us of the importance here of, of understanding how to use those riches and power that he has given to us. That is what you will be doing there. So let's start exercising that now. Listen, he cannot sit there, Christ, at the right hand of God, without being God. Okay? Romans 14, 9 and 10 says, For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Why do you judge thy brother? Why do you set it not thy brother? Can I just say this? Some of the stuff that I see going on in churches that I see go on in, in, in fellowship, that I see go on, who the heck do we think we are judging other people? Who? who? Now listen, hear what I just said. If it's righteous judgment all day long, if you can go to a Bible verse and say, you see that right there? I, I, all for it. What I am saying, though, just because you think somebody's skirt should be down to here or just because you think somebody's skirt should be down to here, who the heck are you to tell, you, tell somebody else that? That ain't for you. I'm going to get my little Italian going right now. Shut your freaking mouth. Who the heck do you think you are? What gave you the power to be all God and mighty? Well, you think I can't turn around and look at you and tell you what you're doing wrong? You think I can't come up with stuff on you too? Let me go hang out with your house for a day. I guarantee you I come up with a list of about 10 things. We all have that. Man, I, don't, don't, don't start throwing around your righteous, all ego. Pride comes before. And then what happens? A fall. A fall. 
We got to be careful, man. We got to be very, very, very careful that we aren't trying to be God to somebody else. And our tendency is to be that because we deal with sin. And do you remember? Do you remember what Satan said to Eve? Well, God knows that in the day you eat of it, you'll be like, you'll be like, what? Uh, come on, be like, what? I wonder why Satan would have said that. Why dost thou judge thy brother, Paul says? Why do you set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So while you're busy judging your brother, just get ready. Because the Lord Jesus is going to judge you. You better, make sure you, got your, you better make sure you got your head on straight. You better make sure you're walking down the right path there if you're going to start calling somebody out for something. You better make sure you look in the mirror. There's a reason why. Again, I want to make sure we're, we're not crossing the line here. Okay? I, I want to make sure we're clear. Matthew chapter 7 is not talking about righteous judgment. That's not what it's talking about. I mean, how many times have I heard it? Judge not lest you judge, brother. Judge not. Okay, where is that in the Bible? I don't know. I just know it's in the Bible. Okay, did you read the verses around it? That's not what he's talking about, man. Get it what he's saying. What he's saying is, don't become a God to somebody else. You're not God. Take the beam out of your own eye first before you start casting stones. Right? What did he say to the, 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 those Pharisees that wanted to cast stones at the, at the clear person who got caught in sin? The adulteress. John chapter 8. What did he say? He here who's got no sin, you cast the first stone. Go for it. What happened? Anybody cast any stones? No, because you all got sin too. You all got your own problems. Who the heck are you to start calling other people's problems out? Again, here's my Italian. Shut your mouth. Who are you? Now, if somebody's engaging in something that is clearly biblical wrong, I would say, and I do say that it's how you say it to somebody. Okay. I, I do think that it is important. I can't believe you cheated on your wife, you freaking idiot. What a moron. You're stupid. No, whoa, time out. There's a way to approach it. Okay. But, but that is wrong. Adultery is clearly a biblical principle. Okay, there are things that are clear biblical principles that we should be loving our brothers and sisters in Christ enough to know that we need to help them in those areas. Don't get me wrong about that, but it better be a clear biblical principle. It better be because if it's not, you have become their God. Does that make sense? Is everybody buying that at all? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Uh, listen, John 5, 22 and 23 says, For the Father judgeth no man. Now, you want to you talk about all things been given to Christ? The Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Well, then how that, so, so, so what you're saying is that, that God the Son and God the Father are two different people. Right? I mean, you can see that right there, clear. No, that's not what it's saying at all. 
Let's use some Old Testament reality. The Lord shares his glory with no one else. Do you think he's going to give the judgment to the son? Maybe, I don't know, maybe the father and the son are the same people. How about that? Could that possibly be? And maybe what God is trying to do is help us dumb people, like me, understand it. <laughs> maybe that's what he's doing. Yeah, that is exactly what he's doing. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which has sent me. Wow. By the way, all judgment has been given to who? That's why, no disrespect to other translations, but I'm going to throw it out there. That's why it's not the judgment seat of God. It's not the judgment seat of God, it's the judgment seat of Christ. Well, wait a minute, Pastor, you just said Christ and God are the same thing. They are, but if you just say the judgment seat of Christ, you still can cross the lines. You get it when it says the judgment seat of Christ. All judgment's been given to the Son. You and me, if you're Christians, if you're in Christ, are going to a judgment. Whereby, Christ is going to judge you. And you want to know, let's just lay it down here, man. You want to know what you're going to be judged by? You're going to be judged by the very things that you've done since the day you became a Christian. When he gave you access to all that. Do, do, do you get it? If it sounds hard, if it sounds like I'm coming at it hard, I'm doing that on purpose because I, we got to get it. Because whether I come soft or whether I come hard, it doesn't change the reality of the fact that it's going to happen. Fair? Listen, every name that is named. Philippians 2, 9 and 10 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven. Hey, that's you now. Uh, the things in earth hey, that's not you now. Did you hear what I just said? That is tribulation stuff right there. That's what he's talking about. And then he says, and things under the earth. That is the people that are up in hell right now. All of it, including bad boy Satan, they're all going to bow to him. They're all going to bow their knee to him. Everything's going to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the king of the universe. He created all things for him. I don't know how unworthy we really are, but we really are. But we are so high-minded, man, it's crazy. Somehow, somewhere along the line, we find a way to make this all about ourselves. Even when we don't even know that we're doing it. It's what we think. It's how we think. It's what we think is right. It's what we think is wrong. It's, it's, listen, I am right there with all of you. We all do it. We all got that problem. But, but... One thing that I really have tried to do as much as I can is catch myself when I'm doing it and know, who cares what the heck I think? Who the heck cares? 
What I think does not matter. What does it say? That's what matters. God's thoughts are what matters, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Look at Isaiah 45. It says, I have sworn by myself. You got to love it when God swears by himself. You got to love it when God amens himself. I love that. I love when you're reading your Bible and it goes, amen. God, God has done amening himself. That, that's good right there. He says, I've sworn by myself that the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Well, wait a minute, man. I just, I just thought he said Christ. everybody was going to bow and every tongue was going to swear to Christ. So which one is it, God? Yes and yes, because Christ is God. God didn't change his mind about who was going to bow to who. Surely shall one say, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength, even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall uh, 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 glory. Amen? All right. The world to come. The world to come has not yet come. This will be realized fully in eternity future. Revelation 21.1 talks about, and I saw heaven and a new, earth, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. You've got to love that. Do you think he's talking about the sea of the ocean? No, that's not what he's talking about. Understand what he's talking about now. He's talking about the, the second heaven. Okay, so there's going to be no more sea, second heaven. Okay, he's going to do away with all that. Why does he have to do away with the earth? Why does he have to do away with, wait a minute, why does he have to do away with heaven? This don't make no sense. Because the heavens are not clean in his sight. That's why. Because in the second heaven right now dwells Satan and his cohorts. That's why he's called the prince of the power of the air. Do, do, do you understand? God, do you want to understand? Do you know the problem on planet earth? Do you know the problem in, in, in the universe is, the, is there's a curse? That's why death and, and, and sorrow and, and all sin and all that, God has to get rid of all of that. And he's going to. So this will all get realized, quote unquote, in the world to come. Hebrews 2, 5 says, For unto the angels had he not put in subjection, subjection the world to come. Listen, the last enemy he is going to defeat is death. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 20, 28. And death is a very, very simple word for separation. That's what it is. When something dies, it's separated from something else. That's what it is. We are all dead men walking prior to knowing Christ. You say, well, how, how can I be a dead man walking? Because you were separated from something. What were you separated from? God. <laughs> That's why in, Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2 he says, For you he hath quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Do you understand? That's what it is. God's going to put all of this under his feet. He's going to put all things under subjection to, to him. And he is going to, as only he can, defeat the one thing that we're all terrified about. He's going to defeat it. I, I would argue he already has. <laughs> he already has. We, 
we got nothing to worry about. He's already beat it, man. He's already won. I mean, dang, if you, got, if you were going to lay money down on, on a ball game, that's a ball game where you're going to lay down a lot of money on that one because you already know the outcome. He already's won. Put your money on Christ. You got it. You'll, you'll win that one, I promise. That will be one where you will win. Man, we need to live like that. It's amazing to me how we all can live defeated lives. Why? What are you, what, what, why are, what, what can beat you? Nothing. You're an overcomer. Not that you're going to be an overcomer. What does John say? You're an overcomer already. You're already, what in this life can God, Satan, anybody, not that God would throw anything at you, but he does allow us to go through things. Right? But what? What could get thrown at us that can consume us and take us? We're already overcomers. We're already seated with him already. We're already there. Let's be more concerned with what we're doing now for him so that when we are there, we got some crowns to cast. That's all that matters. Everything else does not matter. It doesn't. But we make such a big do about everything else. And you want to know why? You want to know why we do that? Because we're stinking Laodicean and it's about us. And we make everything about us. That's why. But I promise you that ain't going to do any of us any good when we're there. None of that is going to matter. Not any of it's going to matter. Christ is not going to look at the person that you think has a funky hat on that you don't like and go, oh, dude, funky hat. Sorry, man. That, that, that's a lost crown right there. Christ ain't going to go, oh, that skirt, man, it was a little too short. Yep, you're going to lose a crown for that one. Do, do you understand? Christ ain't, do you think that's what Christ is going to be worried about at that point? Because I read 1 Corinthians 3, that's not what he's worried about. You want to know what he's worried about? Who'd you win to Christ? Who'd you build up in their faith? And who did you help send them? That's what, that is what's on the table. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a measure of modesty and things like that. Don't correct me. Don't, don't, don't put words into my mind. I'm not saying come join, you know, come, come rolling in our church next week with, uh, you, know, uh, you know, anyways. Uh, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, stop being the judge of everybody else and thinking like you're the high and mighty of everybody else. Stop it. How can you love one another that way? I read in the Bible that 40 over 41 love one, love one another's in the book. I'm just curious. I'm not judging other people more than what they look like and all that other stuff. What are you doing? What are you doing? Can I argue that the problem is you ready? Can I argue that the reason why you're probably doing that is because you're jealous? Because you ain't looking at that. You don't have that. You don't have that problem. You can't have it. So you can't have it. So they can't have it. Because you want to lie? Because you want to lie? It's all about you. It's all about you. Y'all Is not the way 
almost in out of house. It's not. We're focused on things that we should not be focused on that just don't matter. They don't matter in the grand scheme of things. But we put such high priority on them. The problem and the reason why we do that is because we made it all about us. And I'm just telling you, man, with all that I got in me, please. It ain't going to matter on the day of judgment. What is going to matter when we make it all about us is going to get put on the side. And we're going to miss out on the things that did matter because we were too busy paying attention to the things that don't. Does that make sense? I hope so. What happens on the earth? Here's a nice little nugget. That's prophecy. What happens in heaven? That's the mystery. <laughs> now, I ain't got time to really flesh that out, man. But you, you marinate on that for a little while. And I'm telling you, man, it'll help you. What happens on earth, that's prophecy. Those are the things that God prophetically prophesied was going to happen. What happens in heaven, that's the mystery. And so if you're trying to figure out things that are going to go on in heaven, you can't. It's the mystery. Stop. Stop. God didn't reveal that stuff to us. I don't know what Ephesians 2.6 means. I can't wrap my brain around that we're already seated with it. All I know is that's what it says. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. We'll figure it out when we're there because it's a mystery. D does that make sense? Ephesians 5, 123, the body of Christ. It talks about which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. People love to say that the church is a called out assembly. And that is true. But for what? <laughs> that's what I, that's my question. We look at that word ecclesia and we go, well, it means called out assembly. Okay, good. If you're a called out assembly, you're called out for something, right? If I call you out, I'm calling you out for something. Ray, I can't step down. Can I now or no? I don't know. Ray. Really, dude? Purple? Well, I mean, dude, I'm calling him out for something. Okay, if the word ecclesia means called out, the question becomes is called out for what? Is that fair? And I'll say this, if you miss the mystery, if you miss what we've been called out for, you missed the point. Wesley said this, it is hard to say in what sense that this could be spoken of of the church. Okay, Wesley, no disrespect to you, but that means you missed the point. Okay, Clark, how could the church be said to be the fullness of all in all? I do not know. Well, Mr. Clark, then you really don't know. Kelvin, Mr. John Kelvin, says it is the highest honor of the church until he is united with us, the Son of God, reckons himself to be imperfect, not to we are, not to we are with him. Is he complete? So let me get this straight. We complete him? We complete him? I got it, Kelvin. How about this? He completes me. <laughs> Let's get this right, Mr. John Kelvin. You got it wrong, bro. You got it wrong. I don't complete him. 
None of you complete him. He completes us. And by the way, I can go to a Bible verse to prove that to you. Because in him, we are complete. Isn't that what it says? Sadly, today, most pastors sitting in pulpits do not know or understand the mystery. And it is clearly seen by what it is they are preaching. But you will only see it if you understand and know the mystery yourself, i.e., 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, i.e., myself, Chris, Pastor Robert, did a series about the seven mysteries of God in the New Testament. you got to know what they are. You're going to be held accountable to them. And I would say, and I would argue, and I think Chris and Robert would, would agree with me when I say this, not knowing what, or if you know what those seven mysteries are, you will understand the Christian life. All of it. It's why we need to know them. It's why Paul says we are going to be held accountable to them. If I say, hey, man, there's seven mysteries of God, do you know them? I would hope, I would, I would say, man, this is foundational. I would say this is Christianity 101 that you know what they are. If you're sitting there going, I don't know what they are. Please, you're, held, you're going to be held accountable to it. How can you not know what they are? If you want to understand the Christian life, you need to know what they are. And now some might go, come on, man, that's just wrong. You, you know, you're calling me out for not knowing something. I'm not calling you out for not knowing something. I'm saying, hey, G.I. Joe, half the battle. Know that you don't know and figure it out. Get on the same page. Learn what they are so that you do know. Do you think God's going to go, oh, you didn't know? Oh, that's cool, man. Don't worry about it then. Do you really think that's what God's going to do? You know what God's going to do? Because you know how you're going to be judged, right? You know what God's going to do? Now what? What did I say right here? Oh, look at that. There's, there's a mystery right there. Oh, look at that. There's a mystery right there. Hey, look at this. There's a mystery right there. How come you didn't know? Well, you know, God, because the reason why I didn't know is because, you know, I, I was just too busy being and living life for myself, and I was too busy to get in your book. Oh, Okay. Well, sorry, too bad, so sad. Listen, oh, there's a, there's a verse right there, Colossians 2.10. And ye are complete in him. I mean, Calvin, did you miss that verse? I mean, look, did you, did you read that? The church is his body. Uh, I mean, look, I got all these verses here for you. Uh, uh, know you not, you're the body of Christ and members in particular for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen, that's why you have pastors. That's what he was talking about. Now, I'm going to argue, you better make sure you have a biblical pastor. Don't think just because someone stands at a pulpit, they're a pastor. Me too. Just because I stand at this pulpit does not make me a pastor. Just because someone may have called me to be a pastor does not make me a biblical pastor. Maybe somebody called someone to be a pastor over that flock, to shepherd that flock, but the way you direct that flock is going to matter. There is a biblical way to do it, and then there is a non-biblical way to do it. 
Well, my pastor, man, he preaches from God's word. Does he? Are you sure? Do you know what the purpose of the church is? Do you know what the seven mysteries of God are? Do you know what you're going to be judged at when you go to the judgment seat of Christ? Do you know that the Lord Jesus is going to come back and he's going to wreak havoc on this planet? Do you know, do you know these things? And I could keep going on and on and on and on. Because if you go, well, no, but, you know, listen, all I know is if I'm a shepherd and I got a bunch of sheep and I know the wolf's sitting over there and I take those sheep, Bill's going to be mad at me right now, and I take those sheep and I lead them right over here to the wolves, what's going to happen to the sheep? But he was a shepherd. I mean, he loved us, right? Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. What I can tell you is he led you to the wolves and you're dead now. The water's over here. <laughs> the water's over here. Did he lead you to this? Because if he didn't lead you to this, call him whatever you want to call him. But I read Jeremiah. And I gave you pastors according to my heart that will give you knowledge and understanding. And I read Jeremiah 12, 10 where it says, there are pastors that destroy my vineyard. Which one is it? And listen, man, listen. If any of you are seated there looking at me right now or, or see, uh, looking at Robert on, on Thursday night, and if any of you are sitting there going, he's destroying the vineyard, get the heck out of here. Don't ever come back. Run as fast as you can. And I'm all for it. However, don't do it because of your opinion. Do it because you have biblical foundation by what you're doing. Because on the same side, do know. Be very, very careful. God is very much against divorce. And God looks at the church and him. That's why... You, people go walking outdoors of churches and stuff like that. Listen, I'm all, God, does God give an out for adultery? It, it, that's the only thing he gives an out for. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. If me or Robert or this church is committing adultery, go. However, God doesn't give an out just because your marriage isn't working out because you're too, being too late or seeing yourself. Huh? Everybody hear what I just said? God, don't give an out for that. Show me that in the Bible. No, not at all. It sickens me to drive down 95 and say, men's divorce lawyers. Men only divorce. We are propagating like divorce is okay. Divorce is not okay. Whatever happened to work out your problems, work together, get right, get things right. Listen now. If you're not married, I'm, I'm, this isn't for you, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Make your decision. But once you do that, once you do that, once you uh, uh, put your name on it, what does Beyonce say? Put a ring on it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't pay attention to Beyonce. I, I didn't even know what she said. Listen, once you put the ring on it, hey, man, live it now. You better have darn good reason. And what I mean by that is, 
spouse done cheated on you. Okay? Because do you see how easy we've made it in churches today? And here's the problem I have in Jacksonville. And please hear my heart on this. I'm a New Yorker, as you probably most can tell. Okay? I'm definitely not from around here. Uh, I love it around here, uh, but uh, I'm not from around here. Uh, listen, if, if you were in, 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 in Rochester, New York, okay, it would take you probably four or five miles to get to the next church. Here, I can walk out the door and walk to my right about five steps, and there's four churches I can point to. There's churches everywhere. And, and here's my problem with that. Here's my problem with that. The problem with is, is we've just made church a place where you go and you just go wherever you want. You don't like it there? Go somewhere else. Just go find whatever works for you. <laughs> I promise you, if you go find whatever works for you, you will find what works for you. And you want to know what's going to happen when it works for you? You made it all about you. That's not church. That's not what God set up here, man. This isn't what it is. It's not about whatever works for you. It's about you getting on what works for him. Y'all hear me, man? And again, for some of you who may not know me, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm Italian. I'm sorry. I get hyper. What do you call it? What's the word? Loud. I get loud. Man, if you ever came over to my house when all, all my family's there, you will learn that if you have to be louder than the next person or you aren't going to be heard. And so what happens is one person gets loud, then the next guy gets loud, and then the next guy gets loud, and then before you know it, everybody's loud. We're not yelling and shouting at each other. We're just loud. So I hope you all understand that. What, what, what did you say when we were talking? You're, a, you're an acquired taste. I'm an acquired taste. <laughs> wow I mean Claude just jump right up and shout that from the treetops that may be true but 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 you know what I'm telling you is through this book whether I'm an acquired taste or not whatever however you want to roll that, roll that thing out what I'm saying is right and not even because I'm right all right we need to finish this thing. And it's 12.09. Key point. We're done, right? What we got left here? Yeah, we're done. Watch. Key point. This is not the nation of Israel as it was not made by a covenant or by the law. And what we're talking about is what is the body of Christ? Okay? The body of Christ is not the nation of Israel as it was not made by a covenant or by the law. Please hear what that just said okay because when we start talking about this so uh, uh, brother Tory Nelson okay he, uh, he listens to all our messages man praise the Lord we've been doing some discipleship on Thursdays we've been having some great conversations man we, we really have but one of the things that we've been talking about uh, especially as of late is you know we were we were kind of getting into the whole trying to understand different churches different denominations and where they came from and all that stuff and and uh, I remember when I first got saved, that was a big deal for me because I thought I was Roman Catholic. What did I know? You know, and, and so I was just trying to figure out, I really wanted to know where churches came from. You know, why, why so many different denominations? And, and, and I, certainly they all love Christ. So, hey, we're all good, right? Uh, no. No. Okay. That's not true. 
I didn't find that out until much later in my walk as I started to actually pay attention to what was being taught by those churches and things to that matter. But, but it is interesting when you look at it, it really, it really does come back to one of two things. Excuse me, one of three things. Okay, Either you are Roman Catholic, Eastern or Western Orthodox, however you want to play that out, same thing, when it's all said and done, okay? And if you're, it, 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 that's pretty easy to, to, to figure out. That, that, that's not difficult. Like, we can go and go, oh, yeah, that's a Roman Catholic church, right? I mean, you ever drive by a church and go, I wonder if that's Roman Catholic. Hmm. You know when it's a Roman Catholic church or it isn't. Okay. Either it's Roman Catholic, but what most people don't know and where the lines get blurred is where that funnels down to, which is Protestant churches. This is where most people lose it. Because most people think, oh, Protestant church, they're against the Roman Catholic church. No, they're not. They came out of the Roman Catholic church. Protestant Reformation, man, greatest thing that ever happened. Was it? Three major, major denominations came out of that. They call it Lutheranism. They call it John Calvin, you know, Calvinistic or Presbyterian churches or Anglican. Now you start funneling those things down, Methodist, uh, Church of Holiness, Church of Christ, blah, 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 blah. Okay? Listen, it all came out of Mama. Did, did they change some things? Sure. Is there still a Roman Catholic flair on it? Yes. And, and you could talk to Brother Tory, man. We've been having a great conversation about this. He, this just blew his mind. He couldn't grab it. But he said, you know what, though, Frank? I, I'm, I, he started looking into it, and he, he came back to me. He said, you know what, Brother Frank? You're right. I said, I'm not right. I'm just telling you what the reality is. Because what, what kicked this off is I said, one of the biggest problems in the church today that it will funnel down to 95% of our churches. And he's like, how do you put a number on that? How would you know that? I'm, this is how I know, okay? Not because I'm smart. I'm not smart at all. My wife knows that. I'm a dummy, okay? But, but at the end of the day, I mean, she tells me to do something, and it takes me 45 days to do it, okay? She knows I'm dumb, okay? She has to continuously tell me to do it. Right, Claude? Amen. You call me out. I'm calling you out now. Listen, I was on the phone with you when I, when I heard Andrew in the background giving you direction. <laughs> it was a better idea. In the end of the day, it was a better idea. Uh, listen, listen, it all came out of mama, okay? And either you, te you, you teach and understand what replacement theology is or you don't. And I'm telling you, all those churches, all of them came out of mama, and they teach replacement theology. They do. They do. And you say, well, why are you saying that? Because this is not, the body of Christ is not the nation of Israel. It was not made by a covenant or by the law. The body of Christ did not replace Israel. Do you want to know why John Calvin got it wrong? Do you want to know why Martin Luther got it wrong? Do you want to know why these guys got it wrong? Because they thought they replaced Israel and they started teaching things wrong. They didn't get it. 
They thought we completed him when the fact is he completes us. The church didn't replace Israel. Never did, never will. And I can't explain to you how damning of a thing that really is. All I can do is remind you, if you were here on Thursday nights, when, when Robert was going through the, 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 the seven letters of the churches, all I can remind you, not once, but twice, Christ says in his letters, they who call themselves Jews and are not are the synagogue of Satan. Whoa! That sounds serious. Oh, man, but why, why are you going up against those Roman Catholic brothers, man? Why, why are you? I mean, they all, we all love Jesus. Well, I'm just telling you, Paul says if they come preaching another Jesus or if they receive another spirit or if they preach another gospel, let them be accursed. Just because you call on the name of Jesus does not mean you're preaching the biblical Jesus. Y'all with me on that? We got to wake up to this stuff. We got to make a stand where we need to make a stand because Jude says, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to you. There's going to come a time, Paul lets us know, perilous times are going to come. Where? In the church. People are going to be having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Wow. And what's going to happen? They're going to be led away like Andrea, crazy women who think they know. No, I'm just joking. They're going to be led away and, and ever learning. They're learning something. But they're never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And all I know is Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh out of the Father but, what, but by me. And let me just ask you a question. In all reality, you all have heard me say this before, if something's 95% true, is that good enough? No. 95% truth is 100% false. And that's the danger of do false doctrine. Because what you'll see when you start to understand false doctrine is it's laden. Most of the time, false doctrine is a correct doctrine applied to the wrong person. Hello? You go, huh? I got some water here. Is that water? Yes, it is. If I took a little cyanide and I put it in there, would anybody see it? Is that 100% pure water anymore? If I drink that, what's going to happen? Just a little drop. Do you understand? We need to understand this, man. The body of Christ, what's going on in Ephesians, is not the nation of Israel. It is a new creature that was made by the cross and by grace alone. No, the Old Testament Jew could not have been looking forward to the cross. You guys know this. Because that, what was represented in it was a mystery. The church cannot have replaced Israel because what was created was a new thing. Hello? It isn't too difficult to figure out when you read chapter number 2, verses 11 through the rest of the chapter. Because that's exactly what Paul's explaining. If any man is in Christ, he becomes Israel. Is that what it says? No. If any man becomes Christ, he is a 
new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. The Jew in the Old Testament did not, could not understand that. Why? Because it wasn't given to them. That wasn't their promise. Their promise was a physical kingdom. Our promise is a heavenly kingdom, a spiritual one. There is a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. It is an important aspect that we need to understand, not just, eh, that don't work for me. No, it's that important. E, on page 53, let's finish this. This is the mystery of Christ. This is who you are if you are in Christ. We have become, as Ephesians 3, 6 says, Gentiles have become fellow heirs of, of, of Israel? Is that what it says? No. It does not say the Gentiles have become fellow heirs with Israel. No, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs with who? Of Christ. In Christ. Was Israel in Christ in the Old Testament? Come on, help me. No. No. As a nation today, they're still looking for their, their Christ. They're still not in Christ. No. Now, can a Jew be in Christ today? Yes. yes. They can. But we didn't replace Israel. We're going to see in Ephesians 3, 9 through 10, it says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God, who created all things by Christ, to the intent that when? Now. How could the Jew be looking forward to the cross when to the intent that it was revealed now? And you say, whoa, when's the now? Well, Ephesians was written in 62 AD while Paul was sitting in a Roman prison. Is that before Christ or after Christ? Which one is it? It's after he died on the cross. Now it's being revealed. Now it's being understood. And now to the intent that the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Now it's understood. Now, listen, the devil didn't even know it. Because that's what he's talking about, principalities and powers. The devil didn't even know it. What makes you think Israel knew it? Fullness of him. A head has a body. Thanks, Frank. Glad you told me that, because that would have been difficult for me to understand. Listen, a head has a body. And we are identified with him. You and me are not the head. This church, or any church for that matter, is not the head. To be able to say, we are the one true church. No, no, you are not. We are not. No, no, no. You are a church of Christ for real when this becomes your final authority in everything. But even then, he's the head. Not me, not Robert, not Billy, not this church. None of this is the head. He's the head. That's it. We follow him. That's what we do. Amen? That's what makes us a church. 
What makes us a church is not a building. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I hear it all the time. However, don't go so far to the left to think, though, that we aren't together in a building. Because I see that all the time. No, there's a purpose for a church. There's a reason why we do gather. And wherever it is you gather, if you have a pastor and if you have a congregation, you got a church if it is biblically grounded in his word. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is you in Christ, the hope of glory. No, amen, no, 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 no. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not you in Christ. Now, do you need to be in Christ? Oh, just, I'm reading this verse right here. What is the hope of glory? Christ in you. Christ in you. In other words, let me give you the Italian way to say it. Stop acting like the sinner you were and start acting like the saint you've been called to be. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Start acting. Start functioning like you were meant to do. Stop letting ah mess with you. Start doing what you were functioned to do. Listen, we all make mistakes. We all do things stupid. We all get involved in dumb things, man. We all do something we shouldn't do, and we all look back and go, oh, man, that was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. Okay. that. That's no right to start judging one another. That's no right to start pointing fingers at one another. We need to love one another. We need to endeavor to keep the bond of unity. You want to know why? Because this ain't about you. It's about him. And all I can say is, is whatever it is we get ourselves involved in, whatever it is we, we do, all I can say is, man, the best thing you can do the best thing you can do for yourself is go, okay, how's Christ getting the glory in us? Well, he's not. Get out of it then. Stop. Stop. That has nothing to do with him. Back away, get away, and start getting in stuff where you can go, how does Christ get the glory for this? Oh, yeah, okay, he does. Okay, amen. And those are the things to think on. Isn't that what he says there in Philippians? Think on these things. Think on these things, man. Whatever are lovely, whatever is perfect, whatever. All those are the things we need to think on. All right, amen?